It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. To me, it's a short-sighted decision. And to me, it is something that, at least in my view, is unnecessary. And it's not my job to tell rich people how to spend their money. But I've done all the research. I've done the post for Three Down Nation. You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Hi, everybody. Don Charbon with Pat Mooney and Heath Graham, the usual trio that brings you this fine podcast. Though we don't want to, we're going to talk about the CFL, XFL, Talk About Talking show. Yeah, at this point, it is solely conjecture as we continue to have conjecture after conjecture about what actually might be occurring since we really have no news at all. It has been very frustrating. Let's give them credit to sticking to their NDAs as much as possible. They certainly have kept uh, the information down to a trickle, if less than that. These are sensitive discussions. These are issues that have to be dealt with in a very prudent manner. And for us to look from the outside in, trying to discern what's going on, it makes it tougher and tougher. It's something that I mentioned to John Hodge during our podcast uh, that we just did. It's it's frustrating for him. He's full-time at this. We're not. He's trying to find out what's going on. Where do you get the information? Let's just get an announcement, some news release. We seem to be waiting for the 19th at this point, so the rumor is that that's the date we're going to hear something about this. I hope that that rumor is actually something to cling on to because, again, we're getting close to, um, if if that announcement of, of what they're speculating it is, the announcement is going to be that the season won't start on time. Um, they can't go much beyond that if the announcement is we are going as a, as regularly scheduled because, again, the, the window for getting players up here and into camp is narrowing quickly. So um, I guess my question is, if they announce on the 19th that the season won't start on time, are they going to give us a tentative date that it is going to start? I would lean towards no. I think what they will announce is just that there has been a pushback of the start date and they will leave it at that. I don't think the CFL, and especially under Randy Ambrosi, wants to be tied to any specific date that they may have stated. So I don't think anything's going to change in 2021. Even having clarity of choice A, B, or C would be nice to say, okay, here's here's the options that we're considering, A, B, C, or, or D, the option is we're not having a season again. So um, if you could lay out the options of what could potentially happen and what would trigger the league to continue start at point A, B, C, or potentially even D. It would be sweet. I don't think so. I just don't see it. No, I agree. It's uh, There's so much going on with the XFL discussion, and I think a lot of their focus is being drawn towards that theater. And I don't even know that the CFL, you know, inside that inner circle, have really thought too, too much about what a second date could be. If you, li- if you listen to Ambrosi talk on the latest uh, YouTube posting that the CFL put up, there's not a reference to the 2021 season at all. He's just referring to the, the camaraderie he has with Dwayne Johnson and talking about what could be a wonderful relationship given that this guy has such a success story behind him. And I, I find that really fascinating in one way because it's almost, it's a great deflection. Is it just furthering down the road about now talking about talking about talking? 
rather than actually talking about anything else. There's been nothing substantive from day one coming from anyone, anywhere. It doesn't matter what report that comes out. There's nobody that has any access. I don't care if it's from the United States. I don't care if it's from Toronto. You just don't have the ability to get inside that room and find out what's going on. You can't see the exchange of notes. You can't see what the lawyers are are being briefed upon and how they're interpreting clauses. You just have no idea. And unlike when the NHL goes on strike every so often or locks out the players and everybody wants to run downstairs and talk to the media to push their side of the story, you're not seeing this at all. And it's a far different circumstance to be sure because it's not adversarial in the context of the NHL. This is looking at a future. But of course, in that theater, as they go through these motions, you've got a world around them that is wondering, and especially those that are season ticket holders, those that are investors in terms of partnership with the CFL and sponsorship money, they want to know what what is going to become of all of this. I'm amazed. You can't be held in a vacuum forever. I'm amazed at how quiet the CFLPA has been during all of this, because you're certainly hearing dissenting voices from players. And they. it'll be interesting to see what happens with the announcement if there is one on Monday. Are there going to be more players that are going to throw up their hands and walk away? And at this point, sadly, I can't really blame them. I think they've been really left in limbo. I'm absolutely amazed that teams are still managing to sign players to contract over the last week without any certainty at all. And I really fear the worst from the the uh, some of the star players in the league that I think we've seen their last games. And I don't think that it's fair to them to be strung along like they are. Unfortunately, there isn't an announcement that's going to help them at this point, but I absolutely empathize with them and, and feel their pain and frustration. Well, at least with the Nationals, there's a, a chance to compensate them on some level and that they can take advantage of a federal program. But you can't do that with the players coming up from the USA. There is just nothing available to any team to do this. Now, it would come down to the goodwill of the ownership to maybe say, okay, stick with us and we'll continue to honor your contract and we'll work out a, a, a schedule for it until such time as. I don't know. I We don't know what each ownership group is doing with its players because how do you keep them invested? And how do you pay for services that aren't being rendered? I mean, that that that's a poor business model in any organization. And, and certainly the CFL and, and the teams that are privately or publicly owned can't do that you know there we we saw with winnipeg's disclosure as a publicly owned team that they were able to access serb or other uh, government funding to the tune of just over three million dollars um you know we don't know what's happening with all of the teams that are privately owned because those books aren't open but we may see the same thing come from those other uh publicly owned cfl teams as well so you're right don it's uh it's hard to say who's going to have any recuperation of fees if the league continues to sit in limbo. Uh, only those superstars who've received bonuses to sign. I just find it interesting that the CFL has chosen silence as the methodology through all of all of this. Now, I know the discussion itself, you want to keep pristine as much as possible, its integrity as much as possible. But there are other things that could be going on with the CFL that we could hear about and learn about. 
and we're just not catching anything. Yes, there are still, as Heath pointed out, players being signed, but we don't know beyond this global draft what else is happening. We know that the draft for the uh, Nationals is coming in May. The CFL itself just seems to be reticent to be held to any standard, a, a moving target in a, in a sense, so that you can't catch them in any one spot saying any one thing. I think you make a very salient point there, Don. Uh, nothing's coming forward. And I think what, what concerns me most about that is that while we have the XFL talks going on, we are sh- or should be at the point where we're preparing the league to move ahead and, and get to play. I think that could distract those talks that are going on, distracts from all the other things that that could be providing some information. Let's talk a little bit about which provinces have actually agreed to some of the health regulations. Let's look at uh, how discussions with the federal government have gone in that, because at the end of the day, the federal government is also in charge of the border that allows the American players across to come play. There's information out there that the league could be divulging to the fans uh, so that we at least understand what might be the impediments to moving forward. So when it's announced, that, and we're we're assuming inevitably that the season will be delayed, but when it's announced, you'd have an understanding as to why the season has been delayed. You're right. I think the last I heard, there was four provinces that have come to some sort of agreement out of the six that house CFL teams. If we were to at least have that information disclosed, we know what provinces we're dealing with, then you can look at if uh, bubbles are an opportunity for those those teams. Maybe if, if Ontario, say, isn't on board, you've got three teams there, but can you look at doing a bubble in Manitoba, in Alberta with those teams so they can still get something going? And it will also allow, I think, CFL fans to, to put some pressure on those provincial governments and say, hey, let's step up. If, if four of them are on board, why aren't we? What's it going to take to get us there? And really really force the issue and as far as players crossing the border we've seen the nhl trade deadline just came and went and the canadian government actually softened the rules on hockey players crossing the border so initially early in the season it was a full 14 day isolation period they've now reduced that to seven days for nhl players so that concession has already been made let's get something official regarding cfl players so that they at least know They've only got one week to stay in their hotel room when they get here as opposed to two weeks and get moving on something. It's interesting we bring up the NHL and and the mobility issue, but look at the Vancouver Canucks and what they've been through this past month. And I don't know if I'd want to be on that team to go through the schedule that they have to to make up all these games that they've lost. And as it is, they're they're flirting with not making the playoffs. I can't see how this is going to help them. And this is one of the, the big things that I think people are scared about is that if we don't have everything aligned properly and the vaccines aren't in arms properly. With Vancouver's situation, my understanding is they're now looking at 19 games in 31 days. My Lord, that is not great for your players. And I can't imagine what would happen. This is not good for the CFL, the um, Major League Soccer, all, all the different leagues even even the blue jays who want to get back and play in canada you get a situation like what's going on in vancouver and other leagues like if this happens with toronto organauts where they are not able to play for 14 days they lose two games how do you squeeze that into the schedule it's going to be a bit of a nightmare so it certainly doesn't uh, bode well for the cfl well we saw what the nfl did because we had pittsburgh tennessee we had a couple different teams at baltimore that were pushed all over the map 
trying to get games in. We saw Denver that didn't have quarterbacks. The, the NFL said, these are the protocols. If you don't abide... I think it becomes a player safety issue, though, too. And that's one thing, certainly, uh, that the Canucks have been talking about, is they're looking at playing back-to-back six times. Uh, so 12 games in total are going to be on, on back-to-back nights. So that's a really tough schedule to have six times throughout an entire NHL season, let alone within a month. And, uh, you know, they're they're pushing to get back on the ice here with one practice and one morning skate before going into a game. And if something similar happens to the CFL, I guess the blessing is if you're only playing once a week, you're not going to lose as many games to it as the Canucks and the hockey teams are right now. So it's possible to reschedule. But again, if it's ripping through a team like that, it can be a, a slow ripple and you can have players continue to test positive over a couple week span. And where does that leave you? It's a pretty tough spot to be in. And again, these are all questions that the CFL probably has to answer. And I, it's almost schizophrenic in some ways. Sign players here, but we don't know if we're playing. It, it just, they, they can't seem to make up their mind about what it is they want to do. And is that just maybe factions within the league? And, and this is the thing that we've talked about before, about the nine fiefdoms that each operate independently and don't seem to pull together in any sort of semblance that does well for everybody. But it just really makes you wonder, like, what are they planning to do and are they ever going to let us in to know? It would be nice to hear from some of the ownership groups of these teams to instill some confidence for the fans and say, I I don't necessarily expect the CFL to become a charity case. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, a lot of the privately owned teams have very wealthy owners. They can afford to get a season going. The community-owned teams, they're not juggernauts in as far as the amount of money they bring in, but they are also pretty successful in the, in the larger scheme of things. So I would just love to hear from, from an ownership group step up and say, hey, we know we're going to take a hit this year, but we're committed to the league, we're committed to the fans, and we're going to get something on the field. But whatever this NDA and and this gag order is that has been agreed upon, it is rock solid at this point. And unfortunately, it leaves all of us out in the dark wondering what is happening. And truly waiting for that 19th to to hope we get more information than we truly believe we may get. There's there's the, the paradox of the situation. We're holding off to the 19th to get information and we're probably going to get a little snippet released as opposed to a full understanding. They're talking about talking, and I feel like we're hoping about hoping. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. On the way home today, I was listening to the Sports Cage on the radio with uh, Derek Taylor, and Rash Madani was on today, and he... he posited an interesting idea that the XFL merger talks uh, might be not just about the merger, but but it could be a way to, for the CFL to potentially move into the 2021 season and beyond if Redbird were to provide funding for the CFL. Certainly, he, he went on to explain that he had no backing on this. This was just a gut feeling that he had. So I want to maybe go down that rabbit hole as we discuss and, and further conjecture about the CFL. 
if Redbird is going to be on, and if the announcement comes forward that Redbird is going to fund the CFL, what does this do for the CFL and the XFL in terms of merger? Well, I certainly don't see it being for nothing. Redbird isn't going to just stick their money into the pot and, and out of a gesture of goodwill. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like the federal government has wavered on their uh, no interest-free loan to the league. So if they are going to need an influx of funds from somewhere and Redbird is it, there's got to be something in return. So that's where this merger talk will continue on down the road until we hear what what Redbird expects to get out of it and what they are getting out of any potential agreement. If there's going to be a give, what is the get? And I really wonder if you're the CFL and Redbird comes forward and says, look, you guys need to play this year or we want to help you play this year. We'll provide X amount of funding to help you make this happen. If you're the CFL, what do you do with that information? Because if you're in negotiations with this group and they're starting to help you out before any merger is complete, is this just an acknowledgement of the process or are you giving away some of your strength by allowing this to happen? I I think you certainly are giving something away to allow this to happen. As Heath spoke to earlier in our podcast, uh, we have a number of owners in the CFL that have deep pockets and they're not coming forward to put something on the table to save the CFL if that were the case. As you alluded to, Don, if Redbird's coming forward, I think they've got to get something in return. And I'm not sure what the CFL with the the six different owners and three community-owned teams could provide that would benefit Redbird other than a full merger, media rights. Like Canada's not a big enough media market to be advantageous to the United States or any organization at this point, in my opinion, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what goes on the table in return. I think the big thing that they want is the provenance that the CFL has. And despite all of the careful discussion about how they don't want to interfere with the game as they see it, that fans and players matter most you know that there's going to be change and perhaps massive change if a merger comes to fruition. If Redbird is going to invest now, that means they're starting to think about investing for the long term. The question then becomes in my mind, are they looking at the corporate structure of the Canadian Football League? And is it something where they start to move toward consolidating all these ownership groups under one ownership and having all, as the XFL is, everybody owned by one entity. That could very well be the case because like we kind of talked about earlier, if the CFL owners aren't willing to open up their pockets to get a CFL season underway and and fund it with a bit of a loss, there's no way that an American company is going to do the same thing without having some solid plans to get a return on that investment. And it very well could be a full takeover of ownership. Um, Again, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that because my fear is if the XFL isn't successful, how do you tear yourselves away from that as a league and start over? And giving up that ownership right makes it a lot more challenging. 
And I'm sure there's civic and provincial governments, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and definitely around the Hamilton area that have just invested heavily in new stadiums for these franchises. And they must be wondering what is going to happen next. What if? And I think if, if Redbird were to bring money to the table in, in, to, to buy out the teams... I think the ones who stand to benefit more are those non-community teams. If I'm an owner of a team and I can get a return on investment and potentially even make money, escaping at a time when my business is is losing money, you know, that's certainly advantageous to those individual owners. I agree with what you say, Don. Those, Those community teams are a lot more at risk in this scenario because what what do you sell for? Does it just give money back to those municipal governments who put money in and and then you're you know saddled with a, a stadium that's only used for high school or, or at best college football boy that's that's a big hit it's a very sad situation too because when things are going well the community-owned teams have been the most successful teams as far as making a profit in this league uh, certainly in Saskatchewan and Winnipeg over the last several years I'm not as familiar with with Edmonton's books as I am the other two it goes to show how much TV and media rights come into play uh, on a larger scale because if the the teams that make the most profit from having fans in the stadiums are an afterthought for somebody coming in to take over a league, it's a real sad state of affairs. And the I understand the vast amount of TV money of media rights that the CFL could be worth in this merger situation. Um, I certainly hope it doesn't leave those community-owned teams on the outside looking in. You talk about um, media rights, and there's uh, information out there that is pointing towards a, a TV deal in the United States that would be worth $100 million annually if this merger would come to fruition. So if you combine that with the $39 million, these are all U.S. dollars uh, per season that TSN provides, and you split it up among the teams as we know them now as constituted, uh, that's about just over $8 million U.S. per team. That's not too, too bad, but it isn't going to pay all your bills. No, it's not, but it's, it's, it's a great place to start when you take a look at a, a league that has a salary cap in place and you're taking in more on your media than the salary cap itself. That's before any concession, before any... Um, merchandising and, and things, it certainly puts the league in a much stronger financial situation if that were to happen. And uh, the United States at, at 100 million, that's thrown out there. That's an initial place. If the league actually grabs traction and invites more of a fan base, that likely is only going to go up. Now, just to point out that to this point in time, the XFL did not make any money off of television rights. And I think this is part of why they want that extra of the uh, CFL on board with them so that you have more to sell. Because one of the things that networks love is they love to fill airtime. The second part of the equation, of course, is the betting that's coming. And even though in Canada it's not there yet, it's pretty much a given that game day betting is going to be approved by the government. And in the United States, we're seeing more and more states approve game day betting. And that is going to be a huge, huge source of revenue. 
The $100 million media rights seems like a huge number to me, and, and here's why. We've talked in the past about whether the interest in the Canadian teams is going to be there. I guess I'm, I'm painting the picture of a CFL-XFL merger with cross-border games and that sort of thing. And we've asked the question, are the Tampa Bay Vipers fans and TV audience going to care about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming to town? You know, on a, in a larger sense too, is anybody south of the border going to care about that Edmonton-Calgary Labor Day Classic matchup to make it must-see TV in the U.S. like it is here? So where's that $100 million going to kind of be allocated? Is that really to get the eyes on the American teams? And are the Canadian teams an afterthought in this whole thing? I'm not quite sure how it plays out. The gambling revenue is certainly a big part of it as well and will drive some interest, but that seems like an awful lot of money um, for what the league is at this point. Well, I think a lot of that $100 million comes from the idea that the NFL has just signed that gargantuan $113 billion over 10, I believe it is, television rights deal. If there's any money left over, $100 million would be peanuts. And there are gaps in spring television. So if you want to start filling those gaps, then if you don't have baseball, what have you got, right? There's hockey... But it's it's not a pull in in the United States the way it is in Canada, and there's the NBA, which probably does better. To be fair to the XFL, their television ratings were better than the NHL's television ratings in the United States. Yes, um, you know certainly in Canada that would not not necessarily be the case. But again, if you're looking at two separate media entities, one in the U.S. and one in the United States, bringing this league merger to fans, I, I think there, there's certainly room, as you identified, Don, for, for that to happen. Many networks want to get sports, and so they've been reaching for different types of sports and different opportunities. And, and we also know that certainly here in Canada, and I assume it's the same in the States, you see a diversity of people as well. We know that football is something that does seem to unite people from across multiple backgrounds. It's maybe not as popular, you know, as, as for newcomers as cricket may be or rugby or something there. But at the same point, it is a, it is a North American tradition. So it's something that people can grasp onto and learn the game and, and feel that they're part of that North American culture. You may find that those who become fans of the spring football league that this may become may not be as reticent about the Canadian market as we think. Canada can't be an afterthought. It has to be a full partner. That would be another driving force that you have to find your own path. And I guess part of it too is the CFL TV ratings, we've kind of established that about 20% of the eyes on a CFL game are south of the border already. There is some interest there. And if you can combine that successfully with the fan base that the, the XFL had in place prior to shutdown, then there is almost unlimited growth potential if they play it right and if they have a season that fits into the right spot uh, in the calendar year. In Canada, it's going to interfere a little bit with Stanley Cup playoffs. But again, it's only going to be you know, a couple of games a week that will kind of interfere. So I think there's certainly some scheduling that can work. Um, they probably in the early parts of the season are going to want to shy away from Saturday nights because that is 
traditionally hockey night in Canada and gets the biggest national audience. So you don't want to be competing there. But maybe you look at more of those Fridays and potentially the Sundays when the NFL isn't playing, Sunday afternoon football can still work with a new league. It will be interesting to see if uh, we hear anything more about this on April 19th when they make an announcement as to what may happen. And, and if this does come together, I guess we'll see whether or not Redbird is willing to step up. The other side of this whole question is you're putting money out at this point to lose money. Or, I mean, we're, we're assuming this is a long term, that it's okay to lose money initially as long as you can gain momentum over time. The XFL is not playing in 2021. If they're going to hold the CFL up and above, it's for, for what benefit for a potential merged league down the road as well. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio worth watching.